Acts chapter uh, 3, Acts chapter 3, and uh, I am going to read, I'm going to read the whole chapter, we, we need to do that, so just, uh, just follow along in your Bibles, enjoy the Word of God. Uh, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that's called the beautiful gate to seek alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. But Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and, and, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, that's one of my favorite phrases in the, in the Bible. I just picture that, don't you, in your head? You know, this guy just, just gazelling, you know. So, leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him and walking, saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's Astounded. And when Peter saw it, anytime a crowd gathers now, what's Peter going to do? He's learned his lesson, right? He's going to preach, right? When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy One and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man the perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that he, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration, all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people." And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who have come after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servants, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Father, I just thank you for a good day uh, in your house, God. I thank you for a good day with your people, God. Uh, I thank you, Jesus, that... Uh, we were able to gather un- under one roof uh, with one voice, uh, encouraging and-, and building up one another. Uh, Lord, I pray that tonight would be, uh, would be a picture of just what we saw this morning, of, of-, of coming together and then-, then going out house by house uh, to be together, to meet needs, to encourage and pray and-, and-, and give ourselves attention to the apostles' teaching. I pray, Father, that tonight would be a, a night of of strengthening our faith and of encouraging us in what Christ has done. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to love one another fervently. 
God, help us to be, uh, to be patient with each other, to be kind to one another. I pray, Lord, that there'd be, uh, there'd be no rivalry, no conceit, no competition, no, no bitterness in our hearts against one another. But, Lord, I pray that you'd give us a, a Christ-like love for, for you, for your people, for your, your church. Father, we ask that you'd speak to us tonight. Uh, we pray for Tony. God, I just think of Tony, our brother, as he travels to um, be with his brother, uh, as there's been a car accident. And just pray, God, that you would, um, you would bring healing to Dee, his sister-in-law, and that you would give grace to our brother and, and minister through him. In Jesus' name. Amen. I forgot to tell you that. I, I, uh, Tony's sister-in-law was in a car accident, and they were metaflighting her at Oklahoma City, and he, he took off to go there. So if you're in Tony's small group, they're meeting at Dan and Jan's, Dan and Jan Blockers. So, uh, and be praying for Tony. And his brother's name is Vance. He's a pastor. I can't remember where. And uh, his wife's name is Dee, I, I believe that's right. So, Okay. Have you ever have you ever said God? Have you ever prayed God? I pray that you bless somebody. Have you ever, ever said God? I want you to bless my daughter. I want you to bless my son. I want you to bless my my wife. I want you to bless my husband, uh, my mom, my dad. Have you have you ever used that terminology that God? I, I want you to bless somebody. I, I bet most of you have. We pray that way a lot, don't we? God, I pray you bless our church. Bless you know. What what do we mean by that? What do we mean by God? I want you to bless. Okay, that that's, that's actually something we've been talking about a lot here at Lincoln Avenue. I, I think. Most of the time when people say that, what they think of is kind of kind of the comforts of life. A lot of people say that when, whenever they've been given money, maybe, or had a, had a windfall of some type. They say, man, God's really blessed us. He's really provided for us. A lot of people will say that with their health. You know, they go in for tests and they got cancer or they got, they got some kind of disease. And, and they come back with a good report or they've had healing in their life. And they'll say, man, God really blessed us. Some people say that when, when they, uh, a problem has been resolved in their life. They've had this this thing in their life that's really just eating their lunch. And, and whenever God brings about resolution, though, they'll say, we've been blessed. And all, all those things would absolutely be true. The, those, those are part of the blessing of God. But, but I want you to center upon a verse, and we're going to come back to this at the end, but we're going to kind of piece our way through this passage real quickly. In verse 26, it says, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first. That's Jesus. He sent Jesus to them first, to, the, to these Jewish people gathered uh, there in Jerusalem. He says, to bless you. Okay? So God sent Jesus to bless you. That was God's intention, was to bless you. Now, now how's he going to do that? By turning every one of you from your wickedness. That's, that's, that's a biblical definition of what it means to be blessed, isn't it? For, to, for you to be blessed means God turns you away from your sin, okay? God takes you away from your sin. More than money, more than health, more than comfort, more than resolution to your problems. The Bible says that, that being blessed is when you are turned away from your sins. You're turned away from your wickedness. Now, we've been talking a lot about blessing in the last year. We went through the book of Genesis, didn't we, last year? Remember that? Is that too far away? Do you still remember that? Went through the book of Genesis. And, and one of the biggest sections there in Genesis is, is when God made makes these great promises to Abraham. Remember, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a descendants, as many as the stars of the heaven. I'm going to make your name great. But one of the big ones was he says, through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Okay? Now, the reason I bring that up is because 
Peter brings it up in his sermon. He says there in verse 25, You're sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, In your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so what he tells us here, when, when, when Jesus takes us and turns us away from our sins, okay, when he does that in your life, when he does that in their life, that's a fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham. Okay, so God makes this great promise to Abraham. This is what I'm going to do for you. God's always doing that. He's always making promises to his people. And then he sees if we're going to trust him to fulfill what he's done. And the fulfillment of that is when, 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 when you turn away from your sins, when you turn away from your wickedness. We also, uh, not, not last year, but really kind of the beginning of this year, we went through eight, eight weeks in the Beatitudes. Do you remember that sermon series, right? And every one of those began with that, with that, 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 uh, that title or that, that introduction, Blessed Are These People. And so for eight weeks, we, we explored who are the people that are really blessed? Who are the people that are really fortunate, that are really have good things coming into their life? And we talked about the poor in spirit and those who mourn over their, their sin and those who are meek and those who are pure in heart and those who are peacemakers, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The, the, those people, the, the persecuted, they're the blessed. And when you think about it, every one of those conditions in some way describes a person who has turned from their sin and placed their faith in Jesus, right? What, what is a person who's, who's meek? That's a person who, who's turned away from, from settling their own uh, score and getting revenge and being anxious, right? What's a person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. That's a person that's turned away from, from hungering after money or, or, or some idol and has turned to Christ, all right? So all of those, again, could be described as, as, as a way of turning away from sin and, and turning to righteousness. Those are the people that are blessed, okay? And, and so, so Jesus, by God sending Jesus, he does that. And he does that, I think, in three ways. Now, I'm going to go through these real quickly with you uh, just from this passage. Number one, by, by turning us from ignorance to the truth of Christ, from, from turning us from guilty in our sin to our sins being blotted out, and from turning us from wickedness to righteousness. Okay, I want to look at those three things. I think they're all three in this text. Okay, first of all, he talks about turning from ignorance to, to the truth of Christ. Okay, uh, look in verse, uh, where is this at? He says, um, verse 17, he says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. Okay? And he's, just, he's describing, what, 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 what he's describing there, referring to there, is, is what, what he's just talked about in the passage right above that, in, in verse 11 through 16, describing how they rejected Jesus. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But, but, but what I want to I start with is just this. Mankind, as mankind, we, we're involved in that. We don't get it, okay? That's really what the Bible would say. We just, we don't get it. We, we, we don't see what we ought to see. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says that we're blinded. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who's in the image of God. We, we don't see the truth that we ought to see. And, and Peter, Peter affirms that when he says, look, you, you acted the way you did because you were ignorant, okay? Let, let's go back up and look at this. Verse 13. Says the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. Okay, so what's Peter saying? He's saying that, that God clearly showed, look, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He showed that through resurrection. He showed that through um, healings, through miracles, through walking on water, through stilling the storm, through feeding 5,000, through the life and the ministry and the authority of Jesus' teaching. He clearly showed that. And notice what verse 13 says, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. Okay, now, now, that would really cut to the heart of the Jews, okay? The reason it would cut to the heart of the Jews is because nobody liked Pilate. 
Okay? They all thought of Pilate as like the worst guy imaginable. Okay? He, he's, he's this Roman puppet that rules over them. He's godless. He's an idolater. Uh, he's an oppressor. Okay? And, and, and so basically, you know, Peter's describing that God sent his one and only Messiah. God sent the, the glorified Son of God to, to the earth. He sent this great gift. And you gave him over to the worst of men. Okay? Now, now, kind of the way that I might illustrate that, uh, someone turn on the air conditioner. Would, would someone handle that for me? Pastor Chris, you're close there, aren't you? Or, no, Pastor Andrew, he's handling it. Good job. Look at him. He can do it all. He's running the power pro, pro presenter and air conditioner. Um, I'm hot. I don't know about you guys. Um, where am I at? Oh, okay, here's an illustration, all right? Let's say that, that you get given a great gift, and let's say it's a, a piece of china. Okay? Some of you can identify with that, right? A piece of china. Uh, and let's say that the piece of china is solid gold. Okay, Solid gold piece of china. Let's just go out even further and say it's, it's trimmed with silver. Okay, And let's say it's, it's got some, uh, some sentimental, some antique value. Maybe it was owned by some really, really you know, high up people or some kind of uh, sentimental value. And so you've been given this, okay, or, or maybe you gave it to somebody, all right, however you want to think about that. And let's say that, that someone comes over to your house and, and they're, they're looking for it. You know, they know you have it, all right? You've been given this great gift. And so, so first they look on the wall. I don't know about you guys, but when we get really nice, you know, china or plates, we've gotten a couple of them, one from my grandma and one from a church member one time, we, we kind of display them up. You can get those little stands, you know. So first you kind of look on the wall and you're looking for this great gift. You know, what have they done with the gift that I've given? And you don't see it there. And so you look in the china cabinet, but you don't see it there. And so finally, I'm sure they would put it on the table and eat off of it. But you, you kind of look at the spread of the table. It's not there. So you, just, you don't see it. You know, you think, well, I don't, maybe they put it away in safekeeping or something. Well, later on, after you eat, you go out to the backyard and Snickers, the dog, is eating out of it. Okay. I mean, that's the kind of defilement, and that's probably a tame illustration, but, but that's what Peter's trying to get at, is, man, you're ignorant. I mean, here God gave the greatest gift imaginable, the Son of God, and, and, he, and he clearly showed you through miraculous signs that this is the Messiah. And what did you do? You handed him over to Pilate. Okay? And then it gets even worse, because look, look at what this says. It says in verse 13, and when he had decided to release him. So, so what does the worst of guys do? What does the pagan, you know, the, the, the idolater, the guy that doesn't love God, what does he do? Well, he, he interviews Jesus. He, he tries Jesus. And he says, you know, look, this guy's innocent. You know, we need to let him go. And, and, and Peter goes on. He says, Pilate released him. You gave him over to Pilate. Pilate released him, verse 14. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. So you remember that story, right? Pilate says, look, this guy's innocent. You know, and, and they're like, no, no, don't let him go. It was, it was Pilate's tradition that he would let go someone at the feast of the Passover, a prisoner. So he's going to let go Jesus because this guy hadn't done anything. And the crowd cries out, no, no, we don't want you to let him go. Well, he's like, well, who do you want me to let go? and they picked the murderer. Okay, now, now let that sink in. You know, a lot of times we don't have a clear picture of, of Barabbas. You know, what kind of guy he was. All we know is he was about to be executed, okay? And he was a murderer, okay? So picture somebody, picture somebody of the caliber that would walk into your house and they, they, they would tie up your family and they would take your things and then they would kill everybody, you know, just, just so they didn't get caught when they left, okay? That's the guy they said, we'd rather have him, 
Okay? We'd rather have him sit, go, let, go ahead and let him go. Let him walk the streets. I want to sit by him at the restaurant rather than the Son of God. Okay? You see how Peter's building this up? Man, you guys just don't get it. I mean, that's his point. You don't get it. You, you missed it completely. You know, you missed the Son of God. You missed the Messiah. You preferred to have a uh, murderer rather than the holy and righteous one. Now look at verse 15. And he says, you killed the author of life. Now, there's some great kind of kind of contrast here, okay? Jesus is the author of life. What does that mean? He, he's the creator of life. He's the sustainer of life. Let me read you Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 is a great verse about Jesus. It says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That's a great verse. All things were created through him and for him. Why do you exist? You exist for the pleasure of Jesus Christ, all right? That's your purpose. That's why you're here. You you exist by him and for him, for his glory. That's why you're breathing. That's why you're here. So all things, Jesus is the author of life. And so what did you do with the author of life when he was among you? You killed him. Yeah, do you see the contrast there? Jesus, the author of life, what did you do? You killed him. You, you, you slaughtered him. You crucified him. Okay. Again, what's, what's Peter saying? You just don't get it. Okay. He, he says in verse 17, Brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Ephesians 4, 18 says they are darkened. He's talking about mankind, sinful mankind. They're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Here's the reality. Mankind without Christ, we don't get life. Okay? We don't get it. We don't see what we ought to see. We don't think like we ought to think. Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Here's what Jesus says. He says, for you say, he's quoting, quoting this, this, these Laodiceans, I'm rich and I've prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you're wretched and pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. We need to have a, a healthy self-doubt of our flesh. One of my favorite verses, I bet you memorized this as a kid, maybe some of you went to church. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I've been teaching that to the Team Kid kids uh, this year in our memory program. And one of the things I, I've told them over and over again, I said, okay, guys, you know, you, you're going you're gonna to think certain things. And you've you got to remember that most of the time you're wrong, you know. And, I mean, you're going to think certain things about life, and you're going to think certain things about what's fair, and you're going to think th- certain things about, you know, what you ought to do, and how you ought to live, and what you ought to give your time to, and, and, and what you deserve. And, and what you have to realize is most all of that is wrong, okay? And unless you're getting it from the Scriptures, unless you're getting it from, from the Spirit of God teaching you, it, 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 it's wrong, okay? And he says, lean not on your own understanding. Okay? And so, so here's, here's the deal. We're, we're ignorant without Christ. And that led to people not honoring Christ, not respecting Christ, not living as they ought to live, and the whole, the whole horrible scenario that we just walked through with the people rejecting the Messiah. And so look down in verse 22, okay? Here's the remedy from that. Here's how God is blessing us. Verse 22 says, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. Okay, that's Jesus. Okay, God raised up Jesus. He's a prophet like Moses. And, and, and here's what he says. I, I, I just think this is really good. He says, you shall listen to him. Whatever he tells you to do, you listen to him. Look, look at the contrast. Verse 23, and it shall be that every soul that does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. So, so the coming of Christ 
has brought us from ignorance, not understanding the will of God, not understanding the person of God, not understanding the, the, the ways of God, the commands of God, the truths of God, to, to now we have a prophet. And that prophet is Jesus. And, and here, here's your answer to life. Whatever he says, you listen to him. Okay, I mean, that, that, that's, that's, what, that's what Peter's saying. All right, marriage, do what Jesus says. Parenting, do what Jesus says. Money, do what Jesus says. Anger, do what Jesus says. Hurt, do what Jesus says. Fearful, do what Jesus... I mean, that, that's what he's saying. Whatever he says, you, you got to do that, okay? Now, all of a sudden, there's this, this really deep motivation to be in the Word of God, isn't there? Because Peter stands up and he says, All right, guys, here's a great example of how you don't see things correctly. God sent the author of life. You killed him. God sent the prince of peace. You killed him. Okay, so that ought to convince you that, you know what, you can't handle this on your own. Because we're really all kind of bent. I bet even as I'm saying, I bet even as I said that just a little bit ago, that what you think about things, you ought to have a natural self-doubt. I bet that rubbed some of you the wrong way, didn't it? You know, I mean, because we all think we're right. I mean, we really do. That's why you have so many arguments in your families, because you got five, six, seven people, and they all think they're right, you know. But here's the reality. We're not. And so, so God sends Jesus. says, here's how I'm going to bless you. I'm sending you the prophet Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Do it. You just listen to him. And if you don't listen to him, then you're going to be destroyed. Okay, that's what's at stake. You listen to the prophet. If you don't listen to him, you're going to be destroyed. So how is God blessing us? Well, he's blessing us from bringing us from ignorance to truth. And how does he do that? By sending us Jesus. Okay, and whatever Jesus says, you do it. Okay, all right, number two. He blesses us through Jesus by, uh, through Jesus by taking us from being guilty to having our sins blotted out. Let's, let's read again. In, uh, starting in verse 19. Uh, so here's kind of the... He said this last time or last week in his sermon. Repent, therefore. Okay, you remember what it means to repent? Uh, we looked at that last, last week. It's a change of the mind. It begins with a change of mind. Change your mind about what you think about God. Changing your mind about what you think about life. About what you think about yourself. About what you think about sin. Okay, it's a change of the mind that leads to a change in the heart. A change in your affection. Well, all of a sudden, you don't want the things you used to want. That's a great thing when that happens. Whenever, whenever you repent and you change your mind about God, life, self, all of a sudden your heart changes and you want things that you didn't want before and you don't want things that you did want before. It's a change of heart that leads to a change of life. That's what it means to repent. And so he tells him again, he says, you need to repent, therefore, turn again. Why? That your sins may be blotted out. I think that, that phrase blotted out is a great picture. Uh, evidently, I read this in a commentary, um, back in Jesus' day, the ink that was used when they had ink was, was not a kind that adhered to the paper uh, very, very well. And, and so, so you had to really let it dry, okay? And our ink has, I guess, acid in it that makes it adhere to the paper right away. And, and if you got a pretty good pen, you can write and you can run your hand over it and it, it's going to stay. But the ink back then, you had to leave it. And so, so you kind of picture this paper, okay? And this paper has all of your sins on it, okay? Uh, you know, the Bible represents that as accurate. There's several places in the Bible where it talks about our sins being recorded, you know, and our guilt being recorded. That, that's, that's a scary thing to me. You know, that every guilty action of mine has been recorded. Every, every, every angry outburst, recorded. Every careless word, recorded. Every lustful thought, recorded. Every disobedient act, recorded. Every time you refuse what God was calling you to do, recorded. Every time you worship something other than, than, than God, written down. You know, that's a big book, my friends, isn't that? Uh, I mean, that's a scary thing. You know, I almost wish we could kind of see that. You know, wouldn't it be cool if, if you, could, you could see kind of an angelic being with a, with, with, with a pad, like walking around behind you, you know? You know, and every time you acted like a jerk or whatever, you look back and he's going, you know. 
that'd be real motivation to not live that way, wouldn't it? You know, but 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 that's kind of the picture is that we've got this this list of, of sins against us, okay? And he says, when you repent, okay, when you change your mind about the Son of God, and, and you begin to listen to Him, and, and you put your faith in Christ, listen, that your sins may be blotted out. And the picture is of, of, of that scribe taking a sponge and wiping off that paper, okay? The, the best thing maybe we can think of is like a dry erase board. You know, if it's all on there, it's there for everyone to see, it's, it's all clear, the evidence is against you, and someone takes an eraser and just wipes that clean, you know? And what you got is this clean slate. What, what, what is against Jason Dirks right now? There's nothing on there. There's nothing on there. Isn't that awesome? Nothing on there. There's nothing written down. There's no sins against my name. That's sweet, okay? And that's, that's what Jesus did for us. He says, not only will your sins be blotted out, but look at verse 20. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Now, I really think from looking at the context of this, we don't have time to go into it because we're really about out of time. But but from the context of this, I, I really think Peter's talking about the, the coming of Christ. When Jesus Christ splits those skies, and He creates the new heavens and the new earth, and we're in His presence, okay? Because notice it says, it says uh, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, okay? That reminds me of my favorite verse. What is it? Psalm 1611. In your presence is fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore, okay? Here it tells us that you'll find times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. You know what it means to be refreshed, right? It's like when you've been oppressed for a long time and you get something that refreshes you. You've been out on a hot day for, for a long time, you're parched, and you get that cool glass of water, it's refreshing, okay? You, you've been out in the 120 uh, mile an hour wind in western Oklahoma, and you come inside and it's still, and it's refreshing, isn't it? Okay, that, that, that's kind of the picture there. And he says that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. All right, real quickly, we got to go. Thirdly, Jesus blesses us by turning us from wickedness to righteousness. Go back to verse 26. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Jesus does that in several ways. Number one, by, by helping us to see that our sin is a big deal. And it is wickedness. That, that, that's, that's what he did for these people here, you know. I mean, Peter preaches this sermon. Remember last week when, when they realized what, what they've done, how they've lived? They're cut to the heart. Man, did you get cut to the heart this week? Anybody? You know, last Sunday we talked about it. It's when, it's when you know, you realize, man, I have blown it. I've said, I, I sinned. You know, and the Spirit of God just wrenches your heart. And, and that's what he's talking about here. That, that, that Christ turns us by realizing our wickedness, okay? By, by not... not not thinking of our pride, not thinking of demanding what, what, what you're due as, as, as fair, not thinking of stewing in your anger as unavoidable, not thinking of being consumed with material things as, as natural, but seeing that stuff as wickedness, okay? And Jesus takes away our, our, our sins. He turns us from our sins by bringing about the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Because, the Spirit of, because our sins are taken away, blotted out, now we can receive the Spirit. When we receive the Spirit, we receive power power to live in a way that's righteous and not wicked. And finally, Jesus turns us from our sins by providing us a more satisfying delight, Himself. Whenever you see who Jesus is, all of a sudden, all that other stuff is not that appetizing. That, that's, that, that's what John 10 is about. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Jesus says, in me, there's abundant life. That's what verse we talk about all the time here at Lincoln, Matthew 13, 44, where, where Jesus is the treasure in the field worth giving everything for. You know, when you find him, you're like, man, none of the other stuff is, is good anymore, you know? 
It's finding something that is so delightful that the other stuff is not appealing anymore. Those are ways that Jesus turns us from, from our wickedness. And you know what that turning is? That's Him blessing you. Okay? So now, from now on, when you, when you pray, you're going to go to your small group, you're going to pray tonight, I bet, right? You go to the small group and pray, and you say, Lord, I pray that you bless our group. What, what, are, you, what are you praying? What, what's, what's the highest form of blessing? The highest form of blessing is, is for these people to be turned away from their, their wickedness, turned away from sin to righteousness. That's what it means to really be blessed. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for, uh, for coming, Jesus. I thank you for, for blotting out our transgressions. I thank you, Jesus, that you have, have taken away our ignorance, God. Uh, we, we know we don't have all the answers, but we know the one who is the answer. And, and Father, we're not ignorant anymore. We, we know Christ. We're going to listen to Christ. Father, I thank you for, for turning us from, from wickedness to righteousness. Father, we ask you to, to do that tonight. We ask you to bless our group time. God, we ask you to bless our, our fellowship. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.